he wouldn't shut up. So we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence. And I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, uh. Oh, my God, the mic was on. The Pittsburgh Penguins have accomplished in two years what the Flyers have achieved in their entire awful existence. The Penguins have won the Stanley Cup in each of the last two years, in case you hadn't known. They've been the defending cup champs for about 700 days now. The Flyers? They've won the Stanley Cup twice since their inception. 15 times the highest scorer in the National Hockey League, the Art Ross Trophy winner, has played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Flyers? They've had the league's leading scorer exactly as many times as they've had cup winners since 1975. That is to say, zero bitches. For context, the first Rocky movie came out in 1976. So 15 Rocky movies have come out in the time that it's taken the Flyers to not win the Stanley Cup. Remember Broad Street Bulls tweet? Sam Carcitti in 2012 stating that a national audience saw Sidney Crosby pass the baton to Claude Giroux as the league's best player? Imagine being that wrong about something. Well, I guess you could just be CNN about the last election. But imagine trying to carry the cup and the Conn Smythe while you're trying to hold a baton at the same time. Not easy for Sidney Crosby to do. Since that tweet, Sidney Crosby's won two more cups, giving him three. While the Flyers have not made it out of the first round of the playoffs. Philadelphia might win tonight. They could. But that won't change the fact that the Penguins are hockey royalty. The Flyers, they're an afterthought. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I hate the Flyers almost as much as I love the Penguins. And there are a lot of reasons why. The one that gets most Penguin fans older than me is that the Penguins could not win a game in the spectrum from 1975 to 1989. That's a long-ass time to not be winning a game in a certain location. So that sucked. Scotty Hartnell, he bit Chris Letang. Yager signed in orange and black after hashtag Yager watch. Max Talbot signed in Philadelphia after hashtag Yager watch. Zach Ronaldo sucks. Daniel Carcillo's a piece of bleep. Mike Richards and all that waxing poetic about his hashtag leadership. Oh yeah, by the way, and in 2012... Daniel Breer was offside. 2012 still gives me PTSD. That one hurt. Crosby and Malkin were on top of their powers. They won 51 games that year. The team scored 282 goals. Malkin was the best player in hockey, scoring 50. James Neal scored 40. And the Flyers, they were average. They were 21st in the National Hockey League in goals against. But the Flyers scored more goals in that series, 29, than the Penguins allowed the entire cup run in 2009. That is absolutely insane to me. The Flyers scored eight goals in back-to-back games. The Penguins scored 10 goals in a game that series. It was off the chain, bonkers, and absolutely not in a good way. 
That's why I hate them. Without a doubt, that was the low point for the Sidney Crosby era. That's been my low point, I think, in recent years as a Penguins fan. But here's the thing. The Flyers haven't done shiz about it. The Penguins remired in an ugly tailspin after that point, but have found a way to right the ship and win the Stanley Cup twice since then. As I mentioned, the Flyers have either missed the playoffs entirely or been bounced from them in the first round in each of the fir- in the last five seasons. That is irrelevance. And remember, anytime a Flyers fan throws 2012 in your face, just remind them of Max Talbot getting his ass or beating the ass of Daniel Carcillo. Sorry, I was on Talbot's uh, Flyers mode for a second there. He beat Carcillo's ass because Carcillo's a clown in that allowed the Penguins to win that series and go on to win the Stanley Cup in 2009. For so long, the Flyers have been the antithesis of the Penguins. Pittsburgh's won with speed and skill. They still do. They play hockey the right way. And the Flyers, they just tried to beat ass. The Flyers, most of the time, didn't care about hockey so much as turning the game into a melee, a gong show, a boxing match. They've always been dirty. They've always been scumbags. They've always been bastards. Now, they're trying to do it our way. Now, they're playing up-and-down hockey. Now, I can see something happening in slow motion that's going to get Tom in trouble. Transparency, the number one virtue of the Crowley Show. Brian continues to look over at Tom to break up my hockey talk with Robert Morris University women's basketball talk, and Tom is nowhere near the console. My bad. Is that what was happening? Yeah, that's on me. You were mad at Tom? No, 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 not at all. No, and now you just mad. weren't listening to me now. No. Nobody's I, I, listening no, to me. No, you Nobody. Were, you, look, you were Nobody. right. Nobody. The women's game's on the app, and no one, not even the people in my own audience. You were right. You were right. You, we were talking about RMU women's basketball, which they are up at the moment. Uh, it's uh, 48 to 32. Um, but, yeah, we were talking. I'm sorry, man. I did not mean to derail your show. No, you guys didn't derail the show. No, I just I thought you were mad at Tom, and I was no. giving you both an opportunity to talk about it. No. And in fact, you should have just pretended to be talking about. Damn it, that. Tom! Anyhow, I mean, what the hell, I, I, man? for the love of God, Tom! Real, I mean, just Tom? get better at your job. Just the worst. I mean, Son of a bitch, man. Where's Joe? Demote him. Most living Flyers fans can't even remember when the Flyers last won the cup. That's because they're all dumb. They're also old. The Penguins have been defending cup champs for almost 700 days. Pittsburgh is Pennsylvania's hockey tan. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. It feels good that this game is back to meaning something. But the only reason that it hasn't meant something for a while is because the Flyers haven't held up their end of the bargain. The Penguins are always good. The Flyers, eh, they're going through a little bit of a rough patch. Like Tom probably did in college. The Flyers have been pus over the last five seasons. So the games have lost some bite. No pun intended, Mr. Scott Hartnell. The Penguins and Flyers are separated by just one point in the standings. This is the way it's supposed to feel. And while that's important, I think this game is important because you don't want the Penguins to think that Philly can beat them. In 2012, the Penguins were the best team in hockey by most metrics. And I think like Rob Rossi, who we'll hear from coming up in 12 minutes on the show, that the Penguins would have beaten any team they played that year other than the Flyers. 
I don't want the Penguins to continue to play their lax form of defense that they've played over the last handful of games tonight because if they do, Philadelphia will take advantage. If they do, we're going to hear a stupid-ass goal song. If they do, those orange-clad, inbred sons of bitches are going to go crazy. They're going to be chanting, Crosby sucks, and it's going to make you want to throw yourself out a window, and it's going to make the Penguins have a little seated doubt in their mind. I don't want the Flyers to gain any kind of momentum at all. I don't want the Flyers to think for a second that even though in the standings they're on par with Pittsburgh, that they are on par as a hockey team. I want the Penguins to go in that barn and set the damn tone. The Penguins will need to play better than they played the other night. They need to play better than they have in three of the last four games where they allowed 38 shots. That's a recipe for disaster. Let's see if the Penguins see red when they see orange tonight. Hand it to those bastards. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. That song really does give me PTSD. Holy crap. Makes me want to cry. It'll be all right, man. Go back to 2012. It'll be all right. That's as bad as it gets. I remember exactly where I was when it all went down, too. Game one, I was playing hockey in my basement. We used to do that in college. That's how long ago this was. I was a young whippersnapper doing whippets and drinking beers at 376 Stewart Street in Morgantown, West Virginia. In the basement, chugging brew, shooting hockey ball off a wall, breaking everything so much so that we did not get our security deposit back. There's Sharpie written all over the walls, a beer pong table sitting in the middle, and we're just shooting pucks. Shooting hockey balls. One's still in the ceiling to this day, I guarantee it, because it went through one of those cheap-ass tiles. And I had a buddy, his name is Ryan, he's from Philadelphia, and he was talking mad smack. Flyers are going to beat the Penguins, man. I just got a feeling they're going to beat the Penguins. It's going to happen. going to happen. Going to kick their ass. And we had a softball game that night. He went off to play in the softball game when it was 3 nothing Pens because he said, oh, the Pens are going to win. And I sat there, and I was going to watch every second of that game because as much as I love the Penguins, I hate the Flyers. I was going to enjoy every second of the Penguins' victory. So I sat there, pounded natural light, and watched this hockey game. And Daniel Breer's offside. 3-1. Flyers find a way to score another couple, and then in overtime, game over. The next game at home, the Penguins then gave up eight goals to the Flyers. At home, eight goals. Then you go to Philly. Things weren't going to change. Flyers scored eight again, and at that point it was over. They're up three games to nothing in the series. The Penguins had given up 16 goals in the last two freaking hockey games. They had given up 20 in three. And from that moment on, anytime you see orange, you want the Penguins to win. Because you don't forget that. Just like you don't forget the fact that for 15 years, the Penguins didn't win a game at the Spectrum. Coming up next, Rob Rossi knows all about the Penguins and Flyers rivalry.
We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. Brian LaMartina here live from the Seawall Center. This just in, RMU Colonials women's basketball leads Central Connecticut Blue Devils 58-43. Two minutes left to play. Rick Patan, Ozzy Momadou shooting 100% from the field. 63-pointers. She now set an NCAA record with 284 points. We're also going to talk about Sidney Crosby's hatred for the Flyers. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. RMU still leading 58-43. Arek Patan, Ozzy Momadou now shooting 130% from the field, 494 points on the day. So he's next. It's the Crowley Show. Covering the Penguins on and off the ice. Your home of the Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh. I'd shoot Giroux twice. Obviously, I kid. Do you remember back in the 2009 playoffs when the Penguins played the Capitals? And some kid in East Kabum Bleep Pittsburgh region messaged on some Caps blog that he was going to murder Ovechkin and the cops had to go and pick him up? Rob Rossi joins me now from the Trib. Rob, thanks for taking the time today, Mike. Pretty good, Adam. How are you? Damn it. Delightful, sir. I am excited. It's been a long time since I've been this jammed up for a Flyers-Penguins game. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess this is a big one, huh? I mean, I, you know, I, it's a regular season game. Um, I mean, I, I'll be very excited if we get a playoff series. I think even though it's only been five years, I, I think that's long enough to go for a large segment of the audience to forget how great playoff series between the Penguins and Flyers can be. And truthfully, it, it's really been a while since we've had a competitive one. Um, the one in 2009 was really the last competitive mm-hmm. Penguins Flyers series. But, um, you know, I think the Flyers have done a marvelous job this year of transforming themselves from a team that was going nowhere to one that legitimately is a playoff team. But to me, if teams are both at their peak, this Penguins team is a superior squad. And, and should win at best of seven against the Flyers. Uh, that said, the Penguins have some team defensive flaws right now that I don't see getting fixed unless they are just able to possess the puck the way they did two years ago in the postseason, and that is very much easier said than done for any team. Rob, I'm concerned about that as well, and that's why I think tonight's game is so big because if the Flyers can find a way to pop six in the net, five in the net, score a bunch, and keep the Penguins' defense playing poorly the way that it has really over the last handful of games, I think that not only buoys their confidence going into the playoffs, but it does remind me a little bit of 2012 where the Penguins gave up a couple of goals and allowed the Flyers to come back in a game late in the season and then I think the yeah. Flyers were kind of in the Penguins' heads at that point. I don't know. That, if- that, 
that Penguins team in 2012 was the best team in hockey. Yes. And they had one team that could beat them because they had one team that had the wherewithal not to lose the game before the game started. That Penguins team was an offensive team that was awesome. They were they, they could blow the doors off teams when Crosby came back to that team. I think they were averaging like four and a half goals per game. And they melted down every time the Flyers dared get in their face. Yep. And they never missed an opportunity to. And, and more than any of the Dan Bowsma, you know, playoff disappointments, that's the one where I really feel it was a result of Dan not being able to get that team to get past that one hiccup. If they don't draw the Flyers that year, they win the Stanley Cup. I'm not even – I don't even doubt that. It was the best team that Ray Shiro had built. But they, like – this Penguins team lacked some depth on defense. They, like this Penguin team, were not deep in goal. And I will say this, Adam, I think you're right. If the Flyers would you know, put up six tonight, it, it would concern you. But I guess I would counter that by saying Matt Murray's not in net. And I think the biggest question for this Penguin team that can still be answered is, Will Matt Murray return, and can he stay healthy? Because if those two things don't go hand-in-hand, this Penguin team, for as gifted as it is up front, for as great as Malkin and Kessel and Crosby have been, this Penguin team may not win a round if they do not get Matt Murray back and keep him healthy for a playoff series. And I'm not sure it matters who they play in round one. If Matt Murray's not the goaltender, I don't like their chances. Rob Rossi coming in strong with the content, as always. He, of course, from the Trib. I'd agree with that. I don't know if I'd have the guts to pick them to lose. I don't think I'd necessarily feel comfortable about it. But I don't want to talk about today now anymore. I want to go back a little ways. And I want to look at 1975 through 1989 when the Penguins went to the Spectrum and could not win a hockey game. If you're a Penguins fan and you're older than I am, uh, if you're a Penguins fan and you're, I'd say, right around your age, right, Rob? That was well, probably, I'm not a Penguins fan, but yeah. Well, okay. Sure. We'll well, that, yeah. that would probably be what hurts you the most, yes? That or the 2012 series? Which one do you think oh, was crippling more? There was, look, um, to me the most crippling what memory I have as a, as a young fan when I was a fan before I became a, a sports writer, the 1989 playoff series when they were up, what, uh, two, three, three to two in that series and had just destroyed the Flyers in game five. And then Ken Reggett won game six in Philly and then came back and pretty much stoned them in game seven. That's, that was a tough one. Because they did something in that series that you hadn't seen them do all that often, which was win a game in Philadelphia. Right. I believe Phil Bork won the game with a uh, overtime goal. Look, Adam, I've said this before. I'll say this again. Other than the Stanley Cup victories, there has never been a more enjoyable victory in the history. I'm talking on ice. I'm not talking draft lotteries or other than the five times they've won the Stanley Cup, 
a Penguin fan who lived through any portion of the 15 years of hell that was going to the spectrum and coming away with a guaranteed loss. And by the way, this wasn't a once-a-year trip, Adam. I believe it was like 48 games or something like that. It was, it was an astonishing run of futility. And they would lose games every way imaginable. It's the closest thing I've ever seen to an actual curse. And when that ended, I thought it was the closest I'd ever see to Pittsburgh hockey glory. Because back then, I wasn't so sure I would see them win a Stanley Cup. When they won that night, I was jumping up and down like a madman, and there were grown men doing it because I saw grown men doing it. It, People the next day, I had a teacher in school who said he was a kid when he saw the Penguins last win in Philadelphia. (laughs) It had gone through his high school, college, and the beginning of his professional career. Um, that is that is a run of misery unlike anything any great franchise has ever known. Um, so seeing the Penguins win in Philadelphia never fails to impress me because I still remember that scarring. And if you weren't around for that, Adam, it, it's tough to explain what it was like. Rob Rossi from the trip joining me here on the Crowley Show. Yeah, that sounds just awful. Uh, the Flyers are going to get Sidney Crosby's best tonight because they always do yeah. since Darian Hatcher tried to kill him. Crosby doesn't seem to like the Flyers. I'm not in there very often. He hates them. Yes. Tell me, tell me more about Crosby's hatred of the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, I mean, it dates back to the day that, you know, Hatcher tried to, you know, be, be tooth him, I guess, is the way to look at it. Uh, I mean, it was... He was successful. It was a, it was a mugging. Um, I've covered games in that building where the Flyers, you know, have, you know, the organist has played along while they chanted Crosby sucks. Um, I mean, I, I remember running into a Penguin fan after a morning skate and advising him not to wear a Crosby jersey into the arena in Philadelphia this was in the early part of a decade because I just said it's not the type of crowd you want to antagonize. I always loved covering games in Philadelphia because it was an environment unlike any other. Sidney Crosby was the enemy and almost always rose to the occasion of delivering to those people, and I use that term loosely, <laughs> to those, 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 those you know, cretins in Philadelphia. He almost always rose to the occasion of delivering them some sort of woe. Um, and it was this great sort of roadrunner coyote thing, which is why the 2012 series was so stunning. And I think to this day, it's probably the one moment in his NHL career where if you talk to Sid about it, you know, he's often said, I don't really have any explanation for that because he's not used to not having, he's not used to doing anything other than having his way with Philadelphia. But it goes back to that night. Um, I remember in that series after one of the games when he got into a fight with Giroux, one of the members of the Philadelphia media asked him a question, and, you know, I was standing there, and, you know, Sid's usually pretty media savvy, and his response at the end of this thing about the Flyers, he goes, well, you know, we just don't like one another. And somebody followed up and said, well, what don't you like about them? And he looked, and he goes, are you kidding me? I hate them. That's what I don't like about them. And I just remember thinking that's the – that was the pure, unadulterated Sidney Crosby opinion on this. He hates them. Um, 
And I think, if anything, that is what endeared him to Penguin fans first. Uh, early in his career, the lines were drawn into the ice. They were carved there. And Sidney Crosby, you know, carved that line and put his stick down. And more than the, uh, more than the Rangers, more than the Capitals, more than anybody, identified that's the enemy. And there's no quicker way to get on the good side of a Penguin fan than to declare the team from the other side of the Commonwealth the enemy. How's your boy Gino feel about him? He's, he's not a fan of playing in Philadelphia. He's not a fan of the Flyers. He has hated playing against Couturier. So, um, and I'll say this. Evgeny Malkin has told me many times, the loss to the Flyers in 2012 remains the greatest hockey disappointment of his life from a team standpoint. Well, that means a lot given Sochi. Yeah. Well, right. And remember, that was Evgeny Malkin's MVP year. I mean, Evgeny Malkin really believed, you know, he was he was considered the best player in the world at that point. And, you know, he believed as the Penguins go on to win the Stanley Cup that, you know, they, they, they go on another run. Um, and, and I know he and Crosby both kind of feel that's when the thing kind of started slipping away from them. And look, like the reputable leaders they are, when the things happened and people started losing their jobs and teammates started leaving because the Penguins needed to change things up, Crosby and Malkin wore that up. That was the weight of the world on their shoulders because they felt like they didn't deliver. Um, and, you know, Sochi, Sochi was a, a – I think Sochi was a heartbreak for him. But there was agony associated with Sochi because, you know, his, he has this unique relationship with the Russian Hockey Federation. Everybody on that Penguins team, everybody in that organization – thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup that year. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with Max Talbot going into that series. I was in Philadelphia a couple days before that series started. I was talking to some of the Flyers. I, I sat down next to Max. And Max said, Who, what do you think? I said, I actually think you guys are going to win this thing in five. And he looked at me and he goes, are you serious? I said, they know they can beat anybody. They think you can beat them, mm. and and you know you can beat them, and it's just a different dynamic. And and Max Wilson said, "Yeah, we 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 know how to press their buttons." And um, I just remember going into that series, thinking that, and you know, Adam, I, I think the the thing about the series, everybody remembers the goals. I remember the Danny Briere goal. <laughs> That should have never counted. It was offside by about three miles. You think they win the series if that gets called back? Yes. Yes. I was talking with uh, Tom Fitzgerald, now with the Devils, assistant general manager there. He was an assistant GM with the Penguins back then. We were talking about that series and just the weirdness of that series. That was a series where Mark Andre Fleury made almost no saves, but in the, in, the, in the two Penguins wins, he was fantastic. Yes. Um, it, you know, um, and we were talking about how no team ever really made a stop on a power play or any on the penalty kill, excuse me. But we both said, we both looked at each other almost the same time in the conversation at the Briere goal. And I said to him, I said, Tom, do you think like I do that if that goal doesn't happen, he goes, I think we might sweep them. 
And I said, you know, you might be right, because the Penguins were controlling that game. Oh, my God. And they were slaughtering them. Adam, and it's why I always say, and I've become a believer in the metrics of hockey. I, 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 was, I was slow to it. I freely admit I didn't understand it. But it's why I always say something a scout told me early in the metrics sort of revolution was you can take the advanced stats and throw them out the window in a hockey series because they don't account for the one second in that series where something totally unanticipated happens and can totally change the course of a game that turns the series on its head. And that happened on the Danny Breer goal. And it would have been a disallowed goal now. Yes, it would Back have. Then, the Penguins would have won that game seven to nothing, and that might have been all that team needed because that was a very cocky, arrogant team. But when they felt good about themselves, they could boat race anybody, and they were on their way to boat racing the Flyers. And I think it would have been enough for them to really feel strongly that they were the better team. But they needed some sort of confidence boost. And they came out of that game just sort of like, what happened? And that, that sense of what's happening never left them in that series. Rob, fabulous stuff, man. Always appreciate you taking the time. Thanks again, dude. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh, my God, do you believe in miracles? It's absolute pandemonium at the Seawall Center. The RMU Colonial women have beat the Central Connecticut Blue Devils 60-54. Oh, the humanity! Why are they still dribbling the basketball, then? I don't know! Covering the Penguins on and off the ice. Your home of the Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh. We're back on the internet, baby! minutes which is usually reserved for the stuff we didn't get to <laughs> and not topic a topic a of course penguins flyers tonight the penguins need to play better than they've played over the last five games or they will lose and losing to philly sucks before i get to my hottest take of the day i'm gonna let this bed continue to roll as I give you the hottest take of the day that I saw somebody else have. And perhaps this will be a new thing we do on this show. Perhaps not. I don't like to make promises anymore. Because <laughs> a lot of the times you can't keep them. But Will Graves, friend of the show, friend in real life, maybe we'll have him on tomorrow. He tweeted out, quote, I have read, for reasons I can't fathom, a half dozen think pieces about whatever the hell happened on The Bachelor. A show I've never watched. None of them address the main issue. The women are pre-programmed to like whatever bro they roll out regardless of suitability. Like, the conceit of the show is to have one person, male, female, have 25 suitors basically throw themselves at them. Just, 
because or because they just really, really want to be on TV. Actually, that's it. I'm wondering in hashtag me too age how the deleted this is still a thing. Like, if these women met Ari at a bar, would they legit be interested? It seems like he's basically a dude with a famous dad, money, and a solid haircut. Yet the women are predisposed to like him if he likes them. Why in the world do smart people, I know some of them, watch this? I watched before, and it's a guilty pleasure. Plus, I watched when it was 25 women going after a man, so I got to look at all the hot women. But Will raises a good point. Sort of. The point that it's all public, I get where he's coming from. But if a girl walks into a bar, or a guy walks into a bar, and they see someone who's put together, who looks like they have money, and is well-dressed, they're going to flock to that person. It's no different than when you put it on TV. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Mm. Uh. Sources say that Kevin Stallings won't accept a reduced buyout of $7.5 million. <clears throat> no bleep! The buyout in his contract is 9.4 mil. Why on God's green earth would Kevin Stallings take less money? Now, what you'll hear is... Maybe he hates it so bad at Pitt, and the $2 million is such a sticking point that Pitt says, Kevin, if you hate it here, we'll let you go right now at the 7.5. If you want to stick around, great. But we'll let you go right now at the 7.5, and if not, if you don't take it, we're keeping you on the 9.4. That's the only reason that I could see them offering that. But if you're Stallings, why would you say, no, I don't see a reason. You couldn't hate anything enough to not want $2 million, at least as far as I'm concerned. So for anybody out there who thinks this ain't being handled the right way, Stallings is doing what anybody would have done. That's not that hot. Wills was hotter. Take of the day, 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 day. I did bring up the hottest take of all time a couple of times in the show, and that's Sam Carcitti, Broad Street Bull on Twitter, who said on March 7th, 2012, again. I think a national TV audience saw Crosby pass the baton to Giroux as the NHL's best player. Hashtag not a homer. Hashtag flyers. Hashtag pens. Hashtag yeah, you're a freaking homer. Giroux's a better player. He had 12 points in the series. I get it. Crosby had eight, though. It's not like Crosby was ass. And Crosby's won two cups since then, and Giroux has led the flyers out of the first round of the playoffs exactly zero times Woo! other crap Akib Talib is that how you say that Tom spot on blamed a sports columnist in Denver 
for the Broncos' bad season. Said it created some bad mojo. Tom Fairfowl. That's fair. They need to realize when they need to just stop asking questions and just let the team operate like the team wants to operate. That's true. Shut up and write. Brian? I'm with you. Shut up and write. Hashtag it. I think Aquib Talwib nailed it. Good job. Did get his name right, Tom? Again, batting two for two. Woo! Other crap. The NCAA topped $1 billion in revenue for the first time ever during the 2016-2017 school year, yet they don't have money to pay the players. And Darren Ravel, the jackass from ESPN, says that all the money made in the tournament will go towards paying athletes tuition. That's so laughable. Darren Ravel, who you banging, man? Tom, should athletes be paid? Yes, 100%. 100%? 100%. What's going to happen to Stallings, then? I really don't care. Brian, favorite Beetle. George. Woo! Other crap. Tom Brady said that losing the Super Bowl this year was an invaluable lesson for his children. He said, quote, you know, Benny was crying, Vivi was crying, and they were sad for me and sad for the Patriots, he said. But I just said to them, look, you guys, this is a great lesson. We don't always win. We try our best, and sometimes it doesn't go the way we want. And then he stuck his tongue down their throat. Woo! Other crap. You know I don't shy away from anything here on the Crowley Show, and I have recently been vehemently against the NRA. And finally... My prayers are being answered. Ed Hockley has retired. Which means... Not going to be a shortage on guns. I told it better in the pre-show meeting. Woo! Other crap. It's been 382 days since pin one eight... Do it again, Tom. Oh, Do it again. Woo! Do it again. Wow, dude. Do it again. Other crap. Final stretch. It's been 300. Do it again. Do it again. Run it back. Run right it back. Right on, back. Now the listeners are back and we wow. can't do it right. Woo! Great show and right in the end. Other crap. It's been 382 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. Tom, this is where you're supposed to play the music. 382 days, actually. What did I say? That's what he said. I believe. You said 382. I said 82. Oh, my God. The whole show went... What the hell? What the heck? We can't finish strong. Jeez. Everything that we did all day. It's just all gone to hell. It goes down the tubes in the last 30 seconds of the show. I mean, the only thing keeping me from jumping off a bridge right now is that RMU women have won That's true. And that might be good for you, not good for me. Penguins. Flyers, tonight, there's not only standings points on the line, ladies and gentlemen, not only is pride on the line, not only is Commonwealth supremacy on the line, but a baton will be passed. 